Socks. Hey everybody, welcome to We Got the Beat, <laughs> uh, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment of the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael. Mindy's on the other side. Yo, boy! A.K.A. Hit Girl! No. Because <laughs> I would piss her well, off and she would punch me in the shoulder. I, I think that I definitely have a violent streak. <laughs> oh yeah, you say that. I'm, so, the one who, I'm the one who hit you with a coat tree. Again, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, okay. <laughs> I <Fair> get, yes <laughs> we're kids we're stupid um, we don't need to tell that story nope okay. <laughs> no it's embarrassing and i feel like a monster for it um so okay. kick ass one and two I, I i forgot what year they came out this is meant for the 10th anniversary i didn't realize it came out in 2010 not 2011 so we are late on this one uh <clears throat> whatever it doesn't matter the movie still exists you can enjoy them no matter what anniversary it is it's 11th anniversary that's right that's right <laughs> um, I've seen both of these in the theater and I've read the comic books and the comic books of course ditch uh, a little bit of the silliness uh, no I'm sorry I'm thinking of Wanted same guy Mark Miller uh, they wear costumes in uh, Wanted but they ditch them for the movie but this one is a lot closer and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Mark Miller's now a producer with director Matthew Vaughn on it so they had more control oh man Matthew Vaughn isn't he the one who did like Kingsman uh, yes, yes, movie? yeah, and in, in so, constantly wait. in touch with the X Men universe, sort of. <laughs> Does did, Kingsman was a was a graphic novel too? Was that by Mark Miller too? Uh, I think so. Yeah, actually, yeah. Oh, how about that? I'll have to go back and look because I never really put any of those things together until right now. So. And, and Matthew Vaughn is constantly involved with comic books because. Uh, after he yeah. did Layer Cake, he became R- Red Hot Property, and he was supposed to direct oh. X-Men United. And he was oh, with geez. it through most of pre-production, and then at the last minute, it wasn't going the direction he wanted it to, so he bailed. And he got offered yeah. Stardust, which is highly oh. underrated. I haven't seen that in a long time either, but I remember that being like, oh. oh. wow. Yeah, so, I mean, X-Men, of course, well, was a huge hit, and Stardust didn't do too well. Yeah, it was not a big hit, but I, I, I will... We're totally not talking about Stardust, but that is uh, my favorite book by um, Neil Gaiman, and I have, you know, not so long ago rewatched the movie. And you're right, it really is underappreciated. So I think, yeah, dude, you still did a good job, Mr. Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, which is in a way still tangent to comic books because of Neil Gaiman, and yeah. Um, he was able to get enough money from independent company and start his own production company called Marv, which is confusing because oh. Kick-Ass is from a Marvel label. But this is that short period of time where Marvel was feeling a lot of pressure from the independent comics because independent yeah. comics tend sure. to say, hey, we will publish this for you. We will split this with you, but you have to do the promotion and you have to you get the rights later. So that's what started with Image Comics and Dark Horse and a lot of those smaller guys. Complicated. Right. So Marvel did it twice. They did it in the 80s for a short period of time with a line called Epic, where they did Gru and Dreadstar and stuff like that. But in the 2000s, they decided to try again, and Kick-Ass yeah. was one of those titles. So when you see the name Marv at the beginning of both of these movies, it is not yeah. Marvel. It I can't believe they right. didn't sue him for the confusion. <laughs> I did see that, but I didn't put I didn't put those two things together in my head at all. So I don't really think it's misleading. 
Oh, okay. Well, for me, I, it was because you probably didn't know it was a Marvel title when it came out. No, I don't think okay. so. So maybe that's why. Um, I'm just ignorance is good sometimes, I guess. So the rights still are belong to them, but they released it with Lionsgate. But the reason why you mm-hmm. can't get both movies together is because Lionsgate passed on the sequel and it went over to Universal Studios. What do you mean you can't get the two together? You can't. Why did you get them as a double set? Because Lionsgate owns the rights to the first Kick Ass. Do you mean physically? Do yeah, you mean yeah. You can't. Or it, at all? No, you can't like go to the store and buy a double feature set. Oh, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I mean, the reason why I said that is because I noticed like on Voodoo they have a, a, them together. In a yeah, box. that's different because they can just separate the sure. fees and pay out each studio. Sure, that makes sense. That's why. That's why I asked you to specify. Yeah, and I if I but remember. That, this was not really uh, going to be a hit. Uh, you know, Lionsgate was not a big swinger at the time. They didn't have, you know, the Hunger Games yet. And they didn't have Expendables and stuff like that to boost them. So they were still surviving on smaller hits like Saw. And uh, God, I think I saw all those movies in the theater. Wow. What Saw? No, no, I meant Expendables. Oh <laughs> dear Lord! I was like, what? What has become of my sister? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen a few of the Saw movies, but not really by choice. Right, uh, we but we bailed on that third one, that, I think. That's I think I watched the first two, yeah, and it they it, I just I don't really like um torture no, no no concepts. I mean, I realize that there's it's more psychological than some of the others, but yeah, I think it's a little too disturbing for me. So <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So this was not thought. To, they just thought we were going to dump it in theaters. It would do maybe okay. You know, Alfred Nicholas Cage's name. They were able to sell it a little bit better. But it, it started getting word of mouth at these test screenings, and I believe it premiered a lot of footage at some comic cons. And when that it, makes sense. And it opened okay, but word of mouth just kept it going and going and going. It made fifty million dollars off a thirty million dollar budget. But on video is where it just exploded. Yeah. I mean, everybody I think I know our age group, it's like Scott Pilgrim. Those movies blew yeah. up on video and became like phenomenons. People don't know that they did okay or not well at all, like Scott Pilgrim. Right. Well, you know, I think for, for me personally, Scott Pilgrim took a while to grow on me. You know, I didn't necessarily like it at first, but now I've seen it, you know, four, three, four times. And now it's just like... A, a fallback comfort like yeah. good fun movie for me uh, but it doesn't necessarily start that way you know no so a lot of movies worked out like Super Troopers took a while to work on me but let's not get too far off yeah. track um, but Kick-Ass yeah, for sure. me <laughs> I was all the way in but I just remember hearing all this hubbub about how offensive it was and Roger Ebert lost his mind that a 10 year old girl said the word C-U-N-T <laughs> um, oh yeah, but he was always kind of approved of that kind of stuff. He didn't like horror movies, and he didn't like really violence. Yeah, yeah, he liked Spawn of all movies. He gave it three and a half stars. What the hell? Anaconda, he gave three stars. <laughs> Anaconda is one of the worst movies that has ever been made. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? Yeah, I know. So, uh, um, would you yeah. see us on video or theater? I. I think I saw it. I think I saw both the movie, both Kick-Ass movies in the theater when they came out um, because I was pretty jazzed about it. Um, so I think my initial reaction, like first viewing reactions, were that I was just totally blown away by the action sequences. And, I mean, sure, is the dialogue, like, inappropriate for a 10-year-old yeah but if movie's not made for a 10-year-old right that's um, the big difference it's an r it's a clearly r-rated uh, i mean i just don't understand what uh, 
do I potentially worry about the psyche of Chloe Grace Moretz for starting it off in such, you know, being <laughs> well. at such a young age? Maybe. But, you know, I, I remember two things. One, just being, yeah, uh, being so blown away by the action sequences. And two, just thinking, okay, there's a little, little badass on TV with the same name as me. Yes about time and then also just that she was so so impressive yeah i was so I didn't blown know away by her yeah I, She's I, insane. I saw the poster i think it was a teaser when i went and saw law-abiding citizen barf um and i was like i don't know any, i don't know anybody in this movie except nicholas cage i forgot who christopher mince plus was because everybody just knew him as um mclovin Right, and I, was, yeah. and I was like looking at this thing, is this thing going to be barely released or does it go straight to video? Because Nicolas Cage started teetering that line. Right, he did, definitely. Yeah, this is like his last big, well, no, I think he did Sorcerer's Apprentice the next year, but you, you can see that there was starting to be cracks. Sort of a, this was sort of like a little burst of hot damn for him. Yeah, I think he does movies like this for a lower price so that he can, and that's why he does stupid shit like Bangkok Dangerous. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I think his life is complicated ever since he got ripped off majorly, and he's probably been struggling to to balance his life ever since. What are you talking about? Ripped off? Oh, his uh, his like um, his agent or his accountant or stole all of his money oh my god i didn't know that i know he had tax problems I and mean, that's probably why he had tax I mean, problems that guy probably didn't pay yeah. him for him. that's why he had to give up all that stuff remember, okay i don't remember when it was but i mean yeah that's i mean that's the real i think part of the reason why the dude makes seven movies a year and half of them are garbage because he's still trying to dig his life out of a fucking hole yeah, I mean, and well, I will say this: Nicolas Cage uh, always has a sense for like kind of cool, hip projects, and I think he True. supplements that. Like he's doing the uh, you know Mandy and uh, Color Out of Space and that new one. What's it called? Wally's Wonderland or something like that. He does these smaller movies. Oh, yeah. He probably for a much lower paycheck because he he looks at him and goes, "That sounds cool," but then he has to pad it out by doing one week shoot. On some garbage movie. Yeah, I think he's also has kind of a. He's always seemed to have sort of a strange sense of humor, and finds you know things enjoyable that you know we might think are like, why did he make this? Yeah, but But he clearly loves comic um, books, and you could see when he read this comic, he must have been like I'm down for the same thing with Samuel Jackson. Well, you know he, you know he loves comic books. Like I mean, he talked about that so much back in the day. He named his son Kal-El. Right, and his last name is taken from Luke Cage. Right. Yeah, so but I bet you this project would not have been made if uh, Nicholas Cage had not attached himself because Matthew Vaughn, like I said, his last movie was well-received, but not financially. So you can't really get a company yeah. to pony up $28 million for an R-rated, extremely violent action movie. Movie with a bunch of little kids. Yeah, and I, I'm telling you right now, though, Aaron Ashmore... And Chloe uh, Grace Moretz. No, Aaron Johnson. Is oh, right. Who's Aaron Ashmore again? Aaron Ashmore and Sean Ashmore. Oh, right. Their X-Men. Brothers are twins, you know? Right. Okay, sorry. X-Men, yeah. Uh, yeah, That's those okay. two just out of the gate. Who are these kids? They are amazing. Right. And so, I don't yeah, know. If... I, had, I had seen her in one other movie before that. It was a 50, 
500 Days of Summer, and she played jo Joseph Gordon-Levitt's little sister, and she gave him, I don't know if you remember that movie, but she had some really excellent scenes with him, uh, where she also seemed far more mature for her age, so uh, I had see had a little glimpse of her, but you, not much. And it's so funny, the juxtaposition between the two characters and how well they yeah. handle the sequences. The only reason that, uh, oh God, what is his name? What's Kick-Ass's real name? I forgot. His name is, um, oh, Fudge. I literally just finished it. Um, Cheating. Let me go look. I'm sorry. But his his only real ability is to tolerate pain, and then he has a heart. Oh, Dave Lewinsky. Um, Dave, yeah. Lewinsky, I mean. Um, that's yeah. it. His accident allows him to, you know, handle massive amounts of pain, and uh, it just, and he's just persistent as hell. Yeah, I know. He's got he's got a heart of gold, so he's got that. And then you got Mindy, who is just like a tornado of blades <laughs> and guns. Yeah. It's just she's so insanely talented. I wonder if they used any stunt people, or she was able to handle most of that. I don't know. It's really hard I mean, to duplicate a kid, a little girl's body, with a stunt person. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look into that, but. She's done a lot of complicated movies, but to do that, you know, as one of your first films, I don't know how she how she could pull all of that off herself. But <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, I I know I remember just thinking that this movie was just insanely badass. But I will say, in in revisiting it years later, that there are definitely elements that kind of bother me a little bit um things that i find slightly disturbing like in retro you know in in the revisit such as <clears throat> the fact that while dave you said you know dave is all heart except for where why did he pretend for 75 percent of that movie to be gay yeah and to lie to that girl like it made me so mad and then the and the worst part of it was she was just like ah, okay let's make out and have sex now yeah, I meant only like, when he's in battle. As a person, uh, okay. him and his friends yeah. are douchebags. <laughs> okay. It was just like, there's definitely... I'm not saying that there aren't people like that, so it's maybe it's more realistic. It is. Uh, we were like it, that. I'm sorry. I, I, I feel but, so embarrassed. When I think about my friends when we were that age, we were kind of jerks. But, but just to have a, a hero figure, to have... A, some serious character flaw, maybe that's a good thing. I mean, you don't want someone perfect. You don't want someone self-righteous. You do not want Iron Fist. Oh, my God, I hate him so much. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, like, the only person who likes that. <laughs> huh? I'm the only person I know that liked that show. <laughs> he was just, he was so self-righteous. I know. I, I think a part of it is because such, I'm such a big fan of the comics, and I think that just blinded me. Yeah. Maybe. But anyway, so I mean, for the most part, you know, character flaws and imperfection is a very good thing because you want to see people who are human. You want to see those like human elements reflected. And I do think that that is part of what made it good, but it also made it bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, where you kind of cringe. But most movies, this is during the era when um, everything had to yes. be extreme. You know, and really testing yes. the boundaries, and I, we're, we're coming down from that. And yeah. um, 
it's going to have effect where you're because you look at the movies like we talked about this the 80s are very homophobic and there's a lot of stereotypes yeah. in the 90s were a, a kind of a break from that and then the 2000s were the extreme shock era and now the 2010s and beyond or whatever are just calming like now is starting to be a little more grounded yeah so there's things you know i mean there's definitely like homophobic things in this and the uh, especially in the first movie um, you know, she's, she's so intense and verbally abusive to like everyone, um, uh, you know, for being such a like well-mannered trained kid, she's also not a kid and she's super rude, but the thing that bothers me the most maybe is that. I mean, I guess I can kind of see the comment about, you know, being disturbed by it because this is a 10 year old kid with a filthy mouth. And, I guess. And I she, mean, murder is nothing to her. I never but thought that's about it. The thing. It bothers me that she basically is brainwashed by her dad into being a killing machine. She has no at all, like, just like you said, no issues whatsoever killing a whole bunch of people when it, in, definitely in the first meeting with with Dave uh, when she goes to save him the first time they meet or whatever that run in uh, she killed like a whole bunch of people and it was entirely unnecessary <laughs> like it I think it's just that she's such an impressionable kid and that I feel like her mentally disturbed dad brainwashed her so bad uh, I, I mean, in some ways, it, it I do find it incredibly disturbing. Yeah, I never even thought about that until this moment right now. That to her, it was nothing. And to Dave, yeah. it was shocking and horrifying. See, Dave was yes. not... Dave was a fighter, but he wasn't a killer. He used those... Uh, kata, right. uh, I can't remember what they're called, but like, you know, the fighting sticks, whatever. Um, yes. And he was just meant for defense, not Katana? offense. No, Katana's a sword. I even have them. I have oh. phone versions of Never them. Never mind, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, but so I think that's what I noticed the most after like this this new viewing that I kind of liked it less because I was thinking more of the psychological ramifications of all these things. And I know that's not really what you're supposed to do when you watch a movie. You're just supposed to be like, oh, awesome. Uh, I mean, the fight sequences are insane. The, the stunts are amazing. She does some of the most incredible stuff I've ever seen. And it is great, but part of that is because you don't see a 10-year-old kid do that stuff, and there's a reason why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I and mean, the jokes work too. I think there's a lot that does work, but the, right. the mental state. And, and stuff changes in the second movie, which we'll get to here in a second. Yeah. The second one isn't yes. perfect either. They're, they're, it's kind of a mess no. too. But there's elements that kind of... Uh, I want to say comment on what happened in the first movie with her behavior. Yes. Um, yes, I agree. Yeah. But the first one has Mark Strong as a villain and his son, Christopher Mintz Plassey. And I think he was great as the Red Mist and watching him, yeah. like, uh, not realizing he's getting played and overwhelmed. And, you know, he's mm -hmm. fighting against them killing kick-ass. He's like, he's just another stupid kid. Like, well, kill Nicolas Cage. And by the way, when Nicolas Cage burns is one of the most yeah, horrifying fucking things I've ever seen in a film because his scream is just, I can feel I it. The worst is when he's, uh, when she puts him out and he's just like, I know. and he's just like sadly like crying to her, but also telling her that she did a good job and he's proud of her. Ugh. I know. 
Yeah, you know, that's the thing is, like, I really do feel like his performance was brilliant, but also borderline psychotic because there's just like the way he would deliver lines and some of the stuff that the way he would react to things was just like what the fuck yeah yeah to him that? it was kind of humorous which means he cracked mentally because this should not yeah. be funny anyway he didn't take it seriously like batman he he said that he was doing a version of adam west his the way he talked oh, his batman but if, but the con that that type of character was in a silly show yeah. where there was, was no murder, so it is very strange. But that's Nicholas Cage for you is because he's always swinging for that fence. Well, not always. I noticed a few yeah. movies where he's just yes. like, "Give me the money, I'll do this for a couple of days, we're out." Right. But he usually does things his own way. Right. And in this <laughs> well, one is a he... very unique choice, and I'm really glad that Matthew Vaughn let him have it because it, it's it's unique. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that it messes up the movie. I think, if anything, it uh, strengthens the case uh, for the second one. Um, and having the foil of Morris Chestnut as his old partner, best friend, who you know, in the, you know, he's in both movies, and he's he comes in to check in on him and on and on Mindy to see he's very concerned about them and rightfully so. And I think that that's uh, through his character as they kind of address, <clears throat> especially in the second one, the the ramifications of of their decisions and their actions and. Um, on on her, you know, after the fact. Yeah. Um, and and at, the first time I saw this, I was really disappointed because Mindy did most of the action. And I kept waiting for yeah. Dave to come in somewhere, and he comes in with this big epic moment, and it's really huge, but it's very short. And yeah. then I just realized I was forgot. Oh, he wouldn't have been able to last a minute. He would not have been able to last a single second in that hallway because he doesn't have that kind of no. agility to fighting skills. So it no. makes sense now on, on further viewing, but um, at the end of this course, Mark Strong gets killed, uh, blown away at the rocket launcher, and uh, Red Mist. Is... Can I just? Go ahead. Can I just mention one more thing? Yancey Butler as the mom. I was so jazzed to see her in a movie. Yeah, because this is what seemed like a really long time of her not being in anything. Yeah, well, if mean, I remember I correctly, wasn't she's it alcohol? Really rad in her own way. Right. I believe Witchblade got canceled because her alcohol problem got out of control, oh, and then yeah. nobody would hire her for a while except for like low budget sci fi channel movies. So yes, sure. and I, I mean, I enjoyed her. I remember watching her on Hard Target a million times. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, good. <laughs> um, and, and I forgot, who was his mother? Elizabeth McGovern, right? She's only in it for like a minute. Who? Uh, Kick-Ass is Dave's uh, mom. She's in it. She has like a seizure or whatever and dies instantly. That's Elizabeth McGovern. Recall. Oh. I don't know how that one uh, bypassed me. I didn't even register that. Yeah. But the guy who plays his dad is like... You know, one of those one of those character actors who's like, I think he was the dad in like, Zami Dargo. Yeah. Oh uh, no, he looks dad. like him. It's not. It's the dad from Roswell. Oh. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I totally, I totally see the difference now. I knew he looked familiar, and that's why. Okay. Yeah, the guy from Donnie Darko is way older. Okay, yeah. thanks. Uh, sequel yeah. comes out three years later. 
Uh, different distributor. I looked, by the way. Universal released the first Kick-Ass internationally and made a shit ton of money. So maybe they mm-hmm. just offered more money to Li- uh, than Lionsgate would for distribution. Yeah. we. You don't want to say anything about his, like, buddies or the anything like that? Oh, I right. I they were oh, I forgot. I'm kind sorry. of a fun... A fun little extra thing was, like, you know, I think that Evan Peters is, like, really quite brilliant in his own way, and uh, I don't know how I feel about Clark, what's his name? Clark, Clark Duke. Clark Duke. I have mixed feelings about Clark Duke, but, um, you know, that was kind of added a lot of fun to the storyline, and then, I don't know, I didn't really care at all about the whole girlfriend Nah, scenario. that was kind of stupid and pointless, yeah. Again, like, I thought it was kind of disturbing, honestly, and, and like, okay, ha- ha- who goes outside next to a dumpster to have sex standing up? <laughs> what what 15-year-old has the stamina and the strength for that? I mean, that might be the most unrealistic part of that movie. Anyway, <clears throat> so back to number two. <laughs> All right, so number two, three years later, different distributor, and uh, Matthew Vaughn steps aside this time. I believe he's still a producer oh. and co-writer on it, but only, like, the story. Uh, and then we have Jeff Wadlow stepping in, who does not have anywhere near... I, here's the reason why Matthew Vaughn's movies work. Jane Goldman. His writing partner, mm-hmm. she's so damn good. They started together with Stardust. And uh, I think okay. she's kind of on her own now. She did uh, The School for Peculiar Children and something else recently. But she's a really good writer. What's this? What was that? Was it? Huh? The, the home of... The, you mean like that Tim Burton? Movie? Yes, thank you. I can't remember what it's called. The Home for Peculiar Women okay, or Children. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's, I don't, I don't, can't remember it. Uh, the, it's not a whatever. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, okay. So, it's Jeff Wadlow is known for doing. I fucking kid you not. Never back down, which is nowhere nearly as intelligent as subtle. It's a Karate Kid ripoff movie. That's it's the biggest problem. It's kind of good, though. It is, but it's not like this kind of stuff. Like what Matthew Vaughn no. does. No. No. Um, and it, but it does it's attack... It's like a little scene movie that is better than you expect because you have no expectations. And, and I can't believe it had so many sequels. I think there's like three sequels now. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. She had, okay, so she had nothing to do with this. the second one. So it's just mostly Matthew Vaughn involved. Okay. Um, that could be the problem. Um so, but it does address some things that we were talking about earlier. Like now, for some reason, they recast the his partner, his old partner. Uh, so you know, because um, oh god, you just said his name. Morris Chestnut. Morris Chestnut. Good lord. Um, he takes over in this one, and he becomes the caretaker of Mindy. And he's like, "You're having none of this. You're not going to take part in any vigilante. No action. No none of this nonsense. You're going to school. You're going to be a normal teenager, and that's final." And the struggle with her trying to become a normal kid again, because I don't think she ever attended school. I think Nicolas Cage had her homeschool the whole time. There's no way for her to become a normal kid again, because she never was a normal kid. She has no idea what she's doing, because she has no guidance in reality. Yeah. And and just her her story is more compelling than Dave's. By a long shot. They come yeah, with a bullshit. I hate it yeah. in the sequels and they come up with the bullshit reason for them to get rid of their girlfriend that they fought so hard for in the first movie. Karate Kid 2, I'm talking to you. Um, 
Whenever yeah, they... that happened in two seconds, and what was the point? It was yeah. so stupid. Well, the same thing in uh, Revenge of the Nerds 2. He fought that whole movie for her, and they just threw her away because it's a sequel. I don't know. It's dumb. So uh, I think the reason they wrote her out in this one is because they wanted him to focus on Mindy. Like, there could be a potential relationship there, I think. Mm-hmm. And also part of the reason why I just I mentioned the thing about the his friends is because for whatever reason in the second one they replaced Todd with some other totally random dude so there's no Evan Peters and this guy's was a total like rando uh, that gets sort of shafted probably because it wasn't Evan Peters the scene stealer um, but he gets totally like pushed aside, but I guess in a way he, you know, that pushes him to mm, try to be his own superhero and try to join up with motherfucker or whatever he's called. Oh, right, yeah. I can't, I can't say those words. <laughs> I'm just not going to. Um, I don't know why that's his name and I won't say it again, but... Yeah. Uh, it's so stupid. That's that's I'm, another that's a major misstep right there because just, he, he accidentally... Can we just call him Red Mist? Yeah, Red Mist was fine, and then all of a sudden he decides he has to quit where his costume was cool, by the way. And then he decides after accidentally killing his mother in one of his whiny little fits that he is now uh, the MFer. Hey, I'll do that. MFer and uh, wearing weird okay. sex bondage stuff. That was stupid. Automatically, I'm like, what? Yeah, it was gross and weird. And But what does work yeah. is the idea that they have to break the group up in so many different ways and now Kickass is lost, and he goes out seeking other vigilantes like him. And I love this group. I they're so much fun, and it's just like a husband and wife who you know lost their daughter. They have um, uh, Jim Carrey, uh, almost unrecognizable in all this like jaw enhancement, nose broken nose, whatever. I love him in that role. Donald Faison, come on. That's true. Yeah, there was a lot of fun in that. Um... The, yeah, what's her name? The night bitch or whatever. Oh, Lindy Booth. Who who was in uh, Jeff Waldo's first movie, which I don't remember at all. I know we watched it. It was called Cry Wolf. Oh, is she the girl that's on, like, wasn't she on that, like, librarian show? Possibly. I don't know. Oh, it is. Okay, I, I didn't really watch it, but her face is familiar. I don't know. Dawn of the Dead, it says she was in Dawn of the yeah, Dead. Yeah, I remember in that one, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't really remember Cry Wolf, but yes. But I, I love their little group. And then the fact you have the juxtaposition of the MFR and his group of hired guns. And that Mother Russia is one of the most terrifying villains I've ever... <laughs> so scary. She is. She's scary. And she's and it just was like, like, yeah, unstoppable. Everybody else is kind of a dipshit liked, doofus. Yeah. I liked... Um, Although underappreciated, underutilized, in my humble opinion, uh, the the role that uh, John Leguizamo takes on as sort of like his adult figure in his life, trying to look out for him, and then it just sort of goes really, 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 really badly. Yeah, I mean, he's, and he's like, he's tr- yeah. he's doing his he's best going- to become something of a father yeah. figure, a protector, and it just goes awry so bad. Yeah. He, I like how he points out that like that uh, Red Mist. What's his real name? I keep forgetting. Um, uh, anyway, he he keeps do, picking the most like ridiculous and stereotypical names for all of his like you know hired help 
his hired guns, and he's like, uh, you know, the boxer that he meets when he's uh, training with Chuck Liddell, which was one of the best lines on the whole money movie when he, like, he tries to, like, diss Chuck Liddell, and he just, like, almost beats the crap out of him. Um, <laughs> Did I Daniel tell you? Col- Col- what? Did I tell you that I worked with Chuck Liddell's brother? I told no, you this right. No, that's weird. Does he, does he look like Chuck Liddell? <laughs> yeah, with like 400 extra pounds. He was, oh, kind wow. of, he was kind of a dipshit. He was a security guard somewhere I worked, so I'm not going to say it on the air. But he did, was... he make, did he make sure to tell you every other day that his brother was Chuck Liddell? No, in fact, he didn't tell anybody for a while. And it was because other team members had said it, and I was like, slowly one day I kind of said something to him about it. Then we just started talking about movies, but that was it. Hmm. Anyway, so what I was saying was the guy he met boxing, uh, it's played by Daniel Kalua. I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce his name, who I had definitely did not know who he was back then, but that has kind of broken out more lately because he was in, like, Get Out. He was the star of that and stuff. And I was just like, oh, man, he was doing stuff back then. I love going back and watching stuff and seeing people, you know, that were, like, just starting out. Yeah. But now it's like... He's a much bigger name now from being in Get Out, Black Panther, and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah, that Russian lady was so whack. And when and she so takes crazy. out, and she the, takes out Jim Carrey. It is heartbreaking. I mean, they're just torturing him. Yeah, that was pretty rough, um, especially because you know he he did have like an innocence and a sincerity to him as the leader of their group and wanting, you know, he kept like scolding him for his language and be, you know, be respectful and, and things like that. And, you know, wanting to accomplish things, good things. Yeah. Well, he was looking for redemption too, because he was on the other side. Right. They said that he, uh, he was like a hired gun for the, uh, Mark Strong character in the first movie. He used to work for Redmus dad and yeah he's looking for um yeah redemption and um you know i I found like you know he was almost unrecognizable and his his choice character choices were interesting but i from what i understand he i think he kind of regrets a bit being in this movie and the violence yeah. Well, I think a lot of it was he was... a little bit to him personally. He was so lost for like a decade. Nothing he was doing was yeah. hitting. I don't think he was interested in doing... Like, okay, as much as I love Yes Man, it is liar, liar. It is. And then like Mr. Popper's Penguins yeah. was way too safe and it bombed and just everything kept tanking. And I think he just wanted to do different things. That's why he started doing like oddball independent movies like this and uh, The Bad Batch and Dark Crime, stuff like that. And this is that era where he's just trying to do something different. And I see why he took it, because it was so way off of what he's ever done before. He's never played a tough guy. Yeah. But I can see later his regret, because he does seem like a very, very sweet, sad man, and why it would bother him. Because this one is even... There's stuff in this that's kind of repugnant morally and just visually compared to the first one. The first one is no, you know, piece of cake. Um so I can right. see why he would regret it. At first, I was like, well, you signed up for it. You knew what you were doing. Maybe he didn't really understand. Maybe he had never seen the first one. They just said, you get to play a hero, a tough guy. And he's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, 
But there's also, you know, there's also like, you know, looking back at things and, and, and realizing, you know, like I said, just from watching these again, I have a much different opinion and feeling about them than the first time I saw them. Um, and I, you know, as an, as an actor, you can, you can regret the choices that you've made yeah, for totally. many reasons, yeah. you know. And, and sometimes people are just looking for hip cred and he was not hip at this time. He was probably just grappling, too. I mean, trying to figure some shit out. Yeah. I mean, I think he's finally found his ground where he can do both. He has that TV show that's doing very well, and then he was in Sonic, his, which everybody's his, so that happy. That show? Yeah. That show was brilliant. Complete and, complete and honest brilliant. I think that it's the, the kind of story that he actually wants to tell about, you know, a very flawed person, who, but who is has really, you know, good intention and truly wants to do good in the world. It's a very complicated role. Yeah. And I think that it may, may I mean, obviously, I don't fucking know Jim Carrey. Wish I did. He seems so, uh, like, a really lovely person. But it seems to me like it might be the most honest character. Yeah. Human. And, and maybe that's person, another thing. You know? Maybe Kick-Ass 2 was an escape from what he feels yeah. every day drowning because you can see the depression you just like robin yeah. uh, a, a lot of funny people are really yeah. broken i mean i mean i'm not gonna put myself on the same pedestal as guys but i've always suffered from major depression and i always dealt with it with humor yeah. and yeah what, people uh, you know people who who are hurting often are the ones who hide behind humor deflect mo mo more than anyone yeah um the, the one thing i don't really care for in this movie is let me ask before I get to what I was going to say how do you feel about Mindy's turn where she starts becoming like a normal high school girl you know she's falling in love with boys she's hanging out with all these people you know she's been added to like little adventures with them did you like that turning point in her character I mean I think that it was a fair thing to give her a chance to be a normal person but but in in her experiencing that she just she experienced a whole different kind of yuck like basically she just learned that there's a lot of terrible people out there in the world but they show it in different ways so it's like she's you know even being a completely normal person or having normal experiences it doesn't take away the ugly and i think that's kind of what made her be like well you know what i am this special person that has special skills and i have to figure out how to try to continue to utilize those and be myself and not be not let this whole bullshit world get to me yeah. so i think she had to see that and experience in a way i mean does she deserve to be a normal kid? Yeah, but normal experiences are pretty, pretty awful too. Yeah, I was like, I have be. no positive experiences from high school, really. Um, but no, the thing that bothered me the most was her revenge was justified. But I feel like there was a way oh, to. It was so fucked up. Right. It's so brutal. She deserved to get revenge on them, but the way that that director yeah. shot it, he could have done the same exact thing, but not show shit flying out of someone's ass. Which I still not one hundred percent certain how that would happen if there's underwear and pants blocking it. Um, oh, it's just projectile, homie. Like yeah. there's underwear don't do nothing, especially if they're wearing a thong. Okay, 
But I just, I Sorry. thought, I thought. I mean, I know you're not supposed to be thinking about underpants, but you mentioned it first. Okay, so. yeah, but I just, I thought that was tacky. Like, I get it, but you didn't have to show it in that obvious in your face. Well, the thing, the thing is, I mean, again, as I mentioned a while ago, you know, Morris Chestnut as her, like, you know, adopted slash a foster, whatever, father figure in her life, you know, he was struggling so much. He wanted to do what was best for her. He really, truly, you know, wanted her to have a normal life, if that, you know, and, and experience things because... She never did, but, uh, you know, he continues to be the person to point out or to help you see the, the extreme, the, the extremities that she goes to or experiences. No kid at that age should feel that level and that need for revenge. So, I mean, yes, should, do those girls deserve, like, you know, what's coming to them? Yeah, but th- was that it? it no, was, no, that was, like, taking her... it to 10. There, that was, that was like, some adult crime, you know, mobster shit. Yeah. You don't do that to teenagers who are just so, being asshole teenagers. I guess the point is, is, like, she has, she doesn't have any balance in her life, and that's what she really needs. I, I mean, I don't think that she needs to stop being hip girl, uh, because she, maybe she could kill a few less people instead and try to do good and, you know, use that training and badassery for something a little bit more than just straight up murder. But, you know, the girl has no balance in her life and she, you know, the lengths that she went to, to get revenge. And I think that they pointed that out many times that, that that was a problem for her, for her to, acknowledge and to to work on but the problem is is that that she didn't have any she didn't actually accomplish any of that in the movie you know yeah i I feel like she basically does yeah i feel like she does the shit she does and then she runs away yeah there's no real growth well here and that's why if they are going to ever continue this which i doubt because the second one didn't do as well but it's kick-ass's story is done he, if he's going to be in the next yeah. one, he's only a part of it. He's not the lead. But I, I was really pissed off they killed off his dad. That was... Yeah. Okay, so and Red Miss Law... the went about it Yeah. Was just, God, brutal. Just... Ew. It's just... There's so many... There's so much brutal stuff in these movies. It's like, I like a good action movie as much as any... Any dude. But, you know, um, girls can like action too, if anybody questioned that. Whatever. Um, but... Like this, this takes it so far. It's just so one. Of, it's really one of the most brutal movies, and really in both of them that I have ever seen. And it's really, really disturbing because I mean, it's not. I mean, it is a teen movie, but it's not a teen movie. It's it. It's really it's really messed up and and it's messy. Yeah, and in the, the like, tone. If it was a straight up R-rated adult movie, then I probably could take it a little better. But because like these these are teenagers who are starring this movie for the most part, and this is I mean somewhat somewhat directed towards teens, and but to have that level of brutality and yes, the way they went about with his dad was just oh my god, that, that was so unnecessary. See, here's the thing: I'm of two minds on this. So Matthew Vaughn treats it with yeah. a little more subtlety, and but he does his with a little more fun. Which might not be good because he makes it look like it's a party, kind of. Like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah. 
But then you look at Jeff Wadlow's way of doing it, and it is more aggressive. It is more brutal, but also has more yeah. grounded reality of this is what could happen to you if you decide to take this path in your life. So I'm not sure which I yeah. would agree with. I mean, it's 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 hard to stomach when when you really think about the fact that yeah, this that someone made a made a movie potentially geared to teenagers, and they made the violence look like a good time. Yeah. Uh, and then it ends, Red Mist is, and the MFR is dead, pretty much everybody's dead. The fight sequence between uh, Hit Girl and, and Mother Russia is amazing. Oh my god. The whole thing oh. is really well done, and there's a little bit of humor uh, in there as well, but uh, the story's done. Dave's story is wrapped up. There's nowhere else for him to really go. So like I said, if they're going to continue, it needs to be about Hit Girl's I would like to see, I actually would like to see it is as she's retired, she's no longer part of this life, maybe she became a cop like her dad or like Morris Chestnut or whatever, and then something slowly starts to bring her back into that world where she's tempted. Like maybe something yeah. gets thrown out of court because of some bullshit, you know, rule, uh, or the, the, the judge got bought off and then she feels that vengeance come back, like that taste for blood, and she has to resist it because now she's in her 20s. Yeah. Well, there is a newer series. I don't. I've never read it, but Mark Miller has another series that's about that focuses on Hit Girl. Oh, okay. And each, like, for example, 2018 issues one through four, volume one, Hit Girl, Colombia, and it looks like she just travels around the world. Hit Girl in Rome, Hit Girl in India. Hit, I mean, it's just like there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah, but then and does that mean there's like, no there's no evolution? There's no growth to her character. That she's always just going to be a little Punisher. I don't, I don't know because I haven't haven't seen it or haven't read any of it. I'll have to read it. And I'm not saying that, that if they did a sequel or third movie that they needed to like stick directly to this. Right. But I'm saying that I but I think that you're right. That that there is potential for her story to continue, but I don't think that it has any weight if she doesn't have some freaking growth. Right. I, and I, I hate the fact that Punisher has become a hero to so many people. He was never a hero. It's the Thomas Jane movie yeah. played it differently. He was more sympathetic. That was a fluke. He is a psychopath. He is a villain. There's a reason why he and Spider-Man get into it all the time, because he's just a straight-up murderer. I mean, they also describe her in the comic books as a pint-sized Punisher. Oh, boy. And that... I believe one of the descriptors was psychotic too. Oh, which what if Dave? What if like Dave had to stop her? What if that's uh, that's the next story? What if Dave has? To, he's a, an adult now, and he maybe yeah. has some sort of you know, like affiliation with you know, I don't know political uh, legal area where he has to like defend her in court or he has yeah. to go stop her himself. I don't know, but. Um, I know that Mark Miller, since they own the rights to this and they signed a deal with Amazon, you could do limited series like yeah. the way they do with Jack Ryan. Yeah. All I know is I'm not interested in another – and I don't know that I'll read the comics. I mean I'm curious, but I'm not really interested in, in continuing her story where she falls further into darkness. Right. And, you know, goes for the – because, you know, she's a she's, – she does a lot of disturbing things, but but she's a little kid. She's known nothing else, and she's been kind of brainwashed. Like, she doesn't know better 
at least at the beginning. And in number in the second one, you can see that she's starting to to grapple with that that there with the, the things that she's done with the choices that she's making that uh, that that well they most of them weren't her choice but now she's old enough and smart enough to be realizing things and make that choice they make a third movie and she continue you know chooses to continue down that path of you know violence and revenge for without something that makes sense or without some real growth and purpose, like, I'm not interested in that, because that's just... Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. I know that last movie she did was well-received, but went straight to video, but if she's a bigger enough name, you know, like she starts to build as an adult actress, that she can have yeah. more say in how that goes. And I can't imagine that she's a tone-deaf actress who doesn't see where that character no. should go. I don't think so. I mean... No, there's an interesting thing about her that she's been, you know, acting for most of her life, and she is see has given the impression since she was a kid, uh, she's been acting since she was seven, um, that she gives the impression of being a really intelligent girl. Uh, you know, she the majority of her movies for some reason happen to be based on books. Uh, and some of them have been real big hits. Some of them definitely not so much. Um, but, you know, she has a lot of range and has done a, a wide variety of things. I don't think that she's quite, you know, I mean, she still acts quite a bit, but I don't know for sure that she's quite as reputable necessarily as she used to be. I'm yeah, not it's sure. like, well, her and a uh, Aaron Johnson are more interested, I think, in independent movies. I'm actually surprised to see that Aaron Johnson's been doing some studio films again, but that's sometimes going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can help your career. But I guess he's going to be in yeah. The King's Man, and he was in Tenet, which I still haven't watched yet. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, so, but, you know, she's still young. I mean, she's only you know, 24 or something years old. But yeah, I think not, neither one of them has been like ever huge or anything, but they've, uh, you know, made a lot of really varied choices. I mean, he, yeah, he makes a lot of small movies he makes, but then, you know, of course he was in, he was in Avengers Age of Ultron as Quicksilver. He was in, Oh my God. You know, I just realized uh, two people from Kick-Ass have played Quicksilver. What the fuck? <laughs> That's a good point. You know, I think I did have that, yeah, association at one point. Um, but he was in Godzilla, but then he's done a lot of smaller movies. And, you know, I think with both of them, they kind of just hopefully choose things that seem interesting and challenging to them. But I'm glad to see that that she is able to, you know, transition as an adult um, and hopefully not still playing teenagers anymore. Yeah. And he, when he was playing a teenager in Kick-Ass, he wasn't a teenager. He was... 21, I think? 20? I guess. He wasn't that old at first, but when you think of the fact that she was, like, 12... Yeah. <laughs> he was... Tw he was... She was, like, 11 or 12, and he was 20... Oh, that makes the sequel weird, makes, then, because they kind of... I mean, a, a little bit. Yeah, the relationship... Well, that's weird. He's still in high school, and then she's just a freshman or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and everybody she's thought that playing they... older, and he's playing younger. Huh. Although she was probably pretty close to her own age. Yeah, but well, I'm just thinking about the relationship where they were talking about how they were sleeping together, whatever, and I was like, ew. 
Oh, the the rumor, the yeah, like gossip yeah. that wasn't true. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you can get into like, I mean, you're acting and you're telling a story, but then how do you? But they only had a weird kiss, so it's not like anything really happened. Right. Uh, but yeah. I guess, anyway, I think this is the first time that we've discussed movies that we weren't completely on board with. Like, there's some good stuff, well, there's some bad stuff too. But I, I like, I, I like this sometimes instead of just a constant praise fest. No, I think it's true because, you know, as we have discussed so many movies at this point, um, even movies that we really, really like are flawed and um, have have things that have really made us uh, think uh, think really hard. And I think this one um, is probably the the set of movies that I felt the most conflicted about. Right. Because uh, like I said, you know, I thought, oh man, these are, you know, they're visually stunning movies. Uh, the the action, the, you know, everything, it's, it's, it's fantastic. But, you know, I maybe it's because I'm getting older or whatever, but now I'm thinking of just like, <laughs> this is so psychologically, uh, you know, just disturbing. So, um, it's still a good movie, but it's flawed in a lot of ways. But, I mean, maybe they acknowledge that there's issues with what's happening, too. So it's not like they're tone deaf. Right. I don't know. Just something, things to think about. I think it's so funny is that, now I think about it, I forgot. Isn't Matthew Vaughn responsible for bringing Evan Peters over to X-Men? Because he did First Class. But then he oh. he produced and wrote the, the Bones and was going to be the director of Days of Future Past, but then failed to go do Kingsman. So maybe he already well, had yeah, I mean, that would make up. sense. Yeah. You know, he's these they're you know enjoyed working. I mean, how do you see Evan Peters and not see that charisma and see that like potential? So he probably worked with him in this movie and just thought. Jeez, we need to do something with this. I just think about the Invasion TV show. That's the first place we saw him, I think. And Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. yeah. And, and who? And Elizabeth Moss. Oh. She's in the final arc of that one season wonder. Where I think <laughs> every I episode... about that. <laughs> take a drink if you ever watch that show. Every time she goes, Michael, our baby. <laughs> oh my God. Where you start getting pissed I... towards the end. We're like, all right, we get it, the baby. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to watch that again because I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah, that show introduced us to a lot of folks, but uh, I I, for, I forgot all about her. Oh, my goodness. I have I have it on DVD, so I'll watch it nice. soon. <laughs> okay, so our next double feature is going to be uh, Adventures of Babysitting and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. You want to talk about problematic? I'm watching <laughs> Adventures of Babysitting right now, and oh boy, I want to stab Anthony Rapp. His performance is weird. Ooh, <laughs> His character just yeah. sucks. Um, but I, it's really dark. It's way darker than I expected. I remembered it being. So that will be our next double feature. Check us out on Facebook under Video Night Podcast. That's where you'll find all our movie-related podcasts. And Mindy, thank you once again for a great episode. Thank you.